yeah, so that was um, <coughs> that was really really good. Melbourne was uh, incredible. It's always who's been to Melbourne? Who likes Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got a real incredible atmosphere, especially around that time of year. Um, there was just thousands and thousands of people everywhere you look. There was a sushi bar every ten shops. A sushi bar. <laughs> so if you like sushi, Melbourne's the place. Um, and we like sushi. And there's the sushi hub. What was it? Called? Sushi hub on uh, Swanson Street. Oh man, sushi you've never seen before. <laughs> anyway, so, but that's not the highlight. None of those things were the highlight. The highlight of the whole thing was I got to speak to my, my grandmother. Now, who remembers how old she is? 102. Everyone remembers that, yeah. Well, she's in her 102nd year. On the 9th of February, she turns 102. And uh, she's incredible. And I've got a video because um, I wanted to get some, capture some footage of her. Hi, Nana. Hello, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> now, now uh, when were you born? I was born on the 9th of February, 1915, in a place called Swindon in Wiltshire. Wiltshire? Wiltshire, a beautiful spot. Not Which, of far... course, is in England. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. What? Yeah. It's in, in, in England. Of course it's in England. Yeah. I'm English. <laughs> in between, uh, Swindon is on the road to Bath yes. and Reading. Oh, okay. Now, if you were born on which, what year? Were you born? 1915. What does that make you today? How old? Uh, well, I'll be 102 next month. Next month in February. February the 9th. February the 9th. You're 102. So you're 101 right now, but you, we could say you're in you're in your 102nd yes, year, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, and uh, you've had a very interesting life, haven't you? Oh, most interesting. Yes, yeah. and I've like, had hundreds of jobs. Hundreds, hundreds of jobs. <laughs> when I count them all, wow. different, different, different types of work. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you've lived all over England, is that right? Uh, no, well, the furthest north in England, which I didn't like, was Yorkshire, yep. where Lindy was born. Okay, Yorkshire. And that was... The two nights before I spoke to her, um, God was giving me the directions on how to speak to her. In, as I was sleeping, all these things came flooding into my mind of how to, how to speak to my grandmother. Because you've got to remember, 102 years, never turned to Jesus, never looked into Jesus. Is she going to receive what I say with open arms or is she going to reject me um, forcefully because she knows better, you know? And I'm just her grandson, you know? So I had that sort of thing, issues going on in my mind. But I thought, okay, my nana has had some interesting, has had a very interesting life. One of the things that was astounding about my grandmother was before it was popular, she was telling us about flying saucers, UFOs. She, had, she has not just seen a UFO once or twice, she's seen them dozens of times. Um, some are very close, some at distance. So what a great first thing I could start talking to her about was so I put the video on and said, okay, Nana, you know, how old are you? And she told us how old she was and where she was born. And her memory is just impeccable, better than ours, most of us. <laughs> Incredible. She knew... Um, so many details, it's just like, are you really 102 or are you just faking? <laughs> and she doesn't even look 102. She looks like, like I know, Greek ladies in their 80s. So, anyway, so we, um, so I, I started asking her, so how many times have you seen a, a UFO flying saucer? She said, many times. And uh, she started to give details of these um, uh, uh, Encounters that she had, and, and she said, "Look, I never did believe in them. Never did, neither did my uh, husband. Um, but it wasn't until I saw them that I believed in them. Because when you see them, she says it was 
clearly not an aeroplane. It was just over there, you know, and it was a saucer shape. It had beams of light coming out of the bottom, and it was just moving around, and then all of a sudden it took off at great speed. So she, she said, I couldn't deny it, because I'd have to deny my own sight, and that would be ridiculous. And they, then they started to see them more frequently, or until they were, in, you know, used to sit in Ferntree Gully and just um, where they where they were living and used to see dancing lights often uh, until a certain point uh, and then they disappeared. But um, that's all on the video, so I'm going to upload the video because I think a 102-year-old woman talks about UFO sightings. I think that would get a few, a few views. <laughs> Could be the most viewed video on it. It's going to go viral. But, um, yeah, that's right. And hopefully they'll then you know, go and watch some other videos. But So I'm going to put that one up. So um, I'm sure you're going to be interested in that. But what, it, what God was speaking to me about is talk about that stuff because it's sort of supernatural in a way. And then um, I, I wanted to change the subject slightly and I said, now, because you're 102 years old and you, you've had quite an interesting life and I want to ask you some questions about supernatural things. Um, do you believe in God? Does God exist? And she basically, when you watch the video, she, I, I don't know. What happens after you die? I don't know. I'm going to end up, sort of. right. um, and so as I start to question her more about what, what she um, believes and where she goes, she really didn't know. She had no idea. She says, well, millions of people die, and I suppose that we must just, that's it, you know, it vanishes. we vanish or whatever. Anyway, I then stopped the recording because I, I needed to sort of get a bit personal with her. And I said, look, uh, Vina... Son John, Tessa, and Alicia, and myself, we pray for you often. You know, we, we, I'm absolutely beside myself, worried, sick about you. That you're 102, and you, where are you going to go when you die? And so, using that line, she basically, uh, I taught her about the gospel. I taught her about Jesus Christ. I said, do people sin? She says, yes. Mm. She sees it clearly because she's seen her family. Um, I'll try not to say too much about it, but she's seen the sin of, of different members of her family and what it's done to their life and it's destroyed their lives. And they've not turned to Jesus and their lives aren't getting any better. And so she's seen that and she sees what it's done. 102 years of experience. And I said, well, Jesus Christ died to forgive you because you're trying to, you know, in a sense, trying to be a good person, but it's too late. You've sinned. You're not a good person and neither are we. Actually, say that it just came to me then. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in, in a manner of speaking, and you need a savior. And then I told her the story about the the man that was in a plane uh, heading down in a plane crash. It was for all accounts they were dead. And she said uh, that man said the only name he heard in that plane was Jesus Christ. No one was saying yelling out to Buddha. No one was yelling out to Muhammad. It was just Jesus Christ, because when you come, when it comes to the crunch, the only name that pops into everyone's head is Jesus Christ. And is it too late for those that call on Him and they haven't repented? More than likely, you know. But um, but we need to, you know, repent. And I said this to We need to repent. You need to come clean before God. And would you like to repent? Would you like to come clean? Would you like to give your life over to Jesus Christ? And she said yes. Amen. And I was like. <laughs> It was the Holy Spirit came on me, and then I, I said, now repeat these words after me, and I can't remember what I said, but it was, I repent of all my sin, Lord, forgive me for everything that I've done right up to this moment, and so on, and I went through leading her to the, the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he rose again, 
And uh, I believe that when I die, that I will um, rise again with Christ. And, and as I, I led her through that, you could see she was just really, really deeply touched. And after that, I then prayed for her. She was repeating that prayer with me. Then I prayed for her. Then I looked at her and she, and Raina will testify because she saw her afterwards, because I had to get everyone out of the house because my mum's an atheist and so is my stepfather. <laughs> I had to get them all out of the house. So he, was got, he went fishing that day. But I had to get my mum out and that's hard. <laughs> and I said, Raina, what I'm going to do is I'm making this big thing about this video that I'm going to be shooting and I need to get her out of that. Room and so Vina took her out. Oh, come on, Lindy, come on out the back here and we'll have a chat in your room. So they went and sat in the bedroom and it gave me all this free time with my nana, which was awesome. And you just said she was beautiful. She got all dressed up, she had you know, pearls or whatever it was around the neck, and you know, um, she just had beautiful clothing on because she knew it was a video. <laughs> my grandson's gonna video me today. It was the highlight of the day for her. Anyway, but she had it sparkling the right after. And I said, Wow, I, I'm just I'm I'm really feeling like something to me. And she says, yes, I feel different. Right. It's like a weight, excuse me, it's like a weight had been lifted off her. And and she was um, free in Jesus Christ. She knew she had received forgiveness because she had turned to Jesus. I said, now, Nana, you've got to stay strong in him. You've got to start studying his word. And she's still got good eyesight. She's still got, her, her wits are, are incredible. Um, and everything I said, she processed. She wasn't just receiving it, you know, um, because she had dementia and didn't know anything else to do except say yes, yes, yes. She was really thinking it over. Um, so, yeah, we went out uh, that day. We were going into the city, and that's when we went to the tennis courts. And then I went looking for a Bible in the city, stupidly. Currently a bookshop left in Melbourne. <laughs> no, oh, there was a Catholic bookshop, but that was closed. Um, and then we realised that right near my mum's house is Kurong. Oh, just around the corner, just off Bellwood Highway. So we said, oh, we have to go back out to Bellwood before the shop shuts. So we had to get there before 9 o'clock, which was easy. Um, so we got there, got the Bible, and it was just, I, I didn't want to give her the Old Testament. She hasn't got time to read the Old Testament. <laughs> She's just got to get through the New Testament, just straight to the words of Jesus. And so we bought her a New Testament, and the only, and it wasn't a, it was just a paperback. It wasn't a really nice looking Bible because there was no, large leather New Testaments that were really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought this one and it looked, looked fine. Anyway, um, I wrote a really nice thing inside there that I hope she would reflect on every time she opens it to make her keep reading. Mm-hmm. And we gave it to her, and, but I didn't give it to her in front of my mum because I said to her, now, Nana, this is a secret, man. You do not tell my mum <laughs> okay, mate. Because if you tell them, they're going to be on her case yes. until she dies, until she gives up the faith. Yes. And I don't... We don't need her to go out and make disciples right now. <laughs> right? She can barely get around the lounge room. <laughs> so she just stay at home and study the, study the words of the Lord and just stay in Christ. And that was the thing. So I put it under a pillow and we got a really good bookmark about how Jesus died for it. And uh, us whispered in her ear, there's something in the pillow. So um, go in there and before my mum does <laughs> and have a read. And uh, so we left. Anyway, uh, we drove home that morning. So it was 7am at that time. We drove home and around 4 o'clock, Vina rang, and rang my mum to see, to say we've just gone through Taylor and Ben, we're not far. And, uh, and, and mum said, oh, Nana's gone off to sleep, gone, gone to bed early today. She's already in bed. So she obviously <laughs> said, Lindy, I'm really, really tired. I'm going to bed. So <laughs> 4 o'clock in the afternoon, she goes to bed. 
And what do you think she's done? She's reading the Bible. She could not wait. She was busting to find out about her new faith. And so just please pray for her now that she just really dives into the Scriptures um, and gets really strong in, in the knowledge of, of the words of the Lord and then the words of Paul, etc. And that God, by the Holy Spirit, just keeps speaking to her and popping things in her mind and keeps her filled with this wonder and all. Because you could imagine at 102, and she's, I've never read the Bible, and there's a Bible under my pillow. Going in there to get into it. So, And her name's Marion. Maid Marion. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, that was, that was awesome. So I was over the moon. Like, yeah. Know, just to know that my nana's going to be in heaven. Just, yeah. I can't wait. And she's 102. Now, then, as we, were, we drove off, and Alicia, I think it was Alicia, that sort of said it to me, or, or we were just discussing, I can't remember that, how it came to the, the thought, that she had to be kept alive yes. to this point That's true. so that I could yes. witness to her because I never had an opportunity previous to that. Yes. So what did God do? Gave her a long life to the age of 102. So when she'd be ready to receive it, because she, at this point she was just, mm. you know, you could imagine the thought, what is death like, where am I going? Yeah. And is hell real, is heaven real, yeah. etc. Mm. And so um, that's pretty amazing. So it's, it's because of me that she's had a long life. Because <laughs> I delayed in witnessing to her. <laughs> she would have been gone at 85 if I witnessed to her in life. All right, so... Isn't that good? Okay, so we're going to this up there. We just—I wanted to finish this sermon off because I, I felt I was didn't quite grab a hold of it as where I wanted to go last week, and I, I wanted to sort of give you guys a little bit more uh, in relation to it. So let's turn to Joshua one eight, and Joshua is straight after Deuteronomy. So Joshua was um, well, the name Joshua is the same name they use for Jesus. And in many respects, Joshua is a type of Jesus. And if you read through the book of Joshua, you'll find he was perfect in every way. You know, not many things is written about Joshua doing something wrong. And so in a sense, the Bible uh, has him as a type of Christ to lead the people into the promised land. We had Moses who led them into the desert and they did everything they could do wrong. They did wrong. <laughs> and Moses was even himself was not permitted to go in. But who took them into the promised land? Joshua. Jesus or Joshua. It's the same name. And so in a sense, that's it's Joshua who's going to lead us um, in the form of Jesus Christ into our eternal inheritance. Amen? And so we've got 1, 8, 1 verse 8. It says, Do not let this book of the law do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Now when it says book of the law, what it means is the Bible. Do not let the book of the law, do not let the Bible depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So we've got to be careful to do everything written in this because we're supposed to be types of Christ, aren't we? All Christians are supposed to be Joshua's in a sense. We're all supposed to be types of. So when someone looks at your life, they're supposed to say, he's a typology of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's a new thought. We have to be types. Christ types. We aren't Christ, are we? No. But we're supposed to be like him in every way. And it says, so how do you do that? And it says to meditate 
on the Word of God, day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Because if you don't meditate on it, how will you do everything written in it? If there's all these commandments of things that we should do, the New Testament has a lot of commandments, doesn't it? This doesn't, it's not just, you're under grace now, you don't have to worry about anything, you can just sin to your heart's content, and it's not true. It's, there's commandments in there. A new commandment I give you is love one another. So Jesus Christ is saying to each and every one of us here, this is a commandment for Christ. You've got no choice. You've got to love me. <laughs> okay, so when you look at me like that, I can go, uh, you've got to love me. Stephanie, <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely> love me. <laughs> You're commanded, <laughs> but not by me. <laughs> but we've got to love each other, haven't we? All of us, we have to love each other. We've got to, um, and love covers over a multitude of sins, in a sense, sins against you. So you feel like someone's done something against you, or you don't like how they talk, or, or don't like how they dress, or they don't like how they smell, or you don't like anything about different people. If they're in the body of Christ, we've got to love them. If, and that's what it's saying, is love your brother, and your brother meaning your Christian brothers and sisters, because when it comes down to it, we've got to spend eternity with each other. So we may as well start getting used to each other now. <laughs> Learn how to get along with each other now. So it says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Who wants to be prosperous and successful? If you don't, you're crazy. Because that means you don't want to prosper. And prosper doesn't just mean lush with money, does it? Prosperous means health, um, prosperous in your health, prosperous in your relationships, prosperous in your your um, or your financial affairs, so that you can pay your bills. Prosperous in every in gifts, gifts of other oh, gifts of the spirit. Prosperous in you know the the effectiveness of the ministry of your own personal ministry. Prosperous in every way, and everyone should want to be prosperous. So if you want to be prosperous, I'm not saying a millionaire. I'm just saying prosperous, or the word is saying prosperous then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, when he said that to Joshua, Joshua was going in the promised land, and guess what? There were some big boys in the promised land. And they weren't going to come out of the promised land because Joshua walks in and says, hey, could you uh, just get out of the Jericho so we can inhabit it? Because it's our possession. God promised it to us. No, he had to fight. And so what's that telling us? To get into the promised land, in our eternal inheritance, we've got to fight. We've got to fight for this. Amen? Yes. We've got to fight our own sin nature. We've got to fight our moods because our moods can determine so many things about us. If we're unhappy every morning, we've got to make sure that we're filled with joy. You know, we've got to fight these things. And it's a continuous battle. No one ever said the Christian life was going to be easy. Actually, some people do say it. <laughs> they shouldn't because it's not going to be easy. It's not an easy uh, journey. Sometimes being a Christian can be the hardest thing around, especially if you're in a household where everyone else is not Christian and you're trying to be Christian. You know? Um, so, if you want to be prosperous, if you want to walk this life and be the best you can, then meditate on the Word of God day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. Amen? Now, there's also one Timothy 4.13. I won't dwell on these too long. So. And I thought this would be a, a good one. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. What do we do each week? 
public reading of scripture. <laughs> What's that? Just read the scripture. Hmm. Just read it through. And some people come into the church and go, this is weird, why are we reading a big slab of scripture? As it says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. So it's pretty obvious why we do that. Now, we also should devote ourselves to reading scripture. But I think it's a blessing in church when you read through entire books of the Bible. Um, and so actually after we finish Acts, I was hoping we're going to read through Proverbs and maybe even the Psalms. I think that'll be a blessing to us as well, to read through those. Uh, probably not Ecclesiastes. <laughs> At least Proverbs, because they need explanation. They need explanation. I might do, eventually I might do a series. Joe Schimmel's done an incredible series on Ecclesiastes. Mm. And um, I've listened to a few of them, and they really, don't they really yeah. explain so much more and helps, gives you an insight into um, Ecclesiastes like never before. Remember a sermon I did on Ecclesiastes a while back? Mm. Um, that was sort of a, I'd listened to him preach a few sermons, and I sort of drew a bit from there to come up with what I come up with there. Because thought it was fascinating stuff. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 2. And it says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We've got to crave pure spiritual milk. And you know, the word crave, think of it this way. When you're hungry, just say you haven't eaten for an entire day, you get pretty hungry. Have you ever had that hunger where, man, I just got to eat something. I don't care what it is, but it's, something's got to go in this mouth. <laughs> Who's had that? Yep. Yeah. You know what it's like after a big training session and you get back and you've been three hours since it and you're like, man, I'm so hungry. You know, and you go into a restaurant, you feel like a real pig because you're looking at the plates getting brought out and you're like, that's not going to be big enough for me. <laughs> I'm going to have to order two main courses. That's craving. That's craving. And we've got to crave uh, pure spiritual milk. And where do we get that from? From the Word of God. And so that by it we may grow up in our salvation. Because, do you know, some people receive the Lord and they, you know, get that real buzz, like, I'm a Christian now and I've, I've, I'm, everything's interesting. You know, you come to church, wow, I can't believe I'm listening to the Word of God. Then it becomes the norm. Who's had that experience? Yeah. Then hearing what is getting preached here every week becomes the norm. And then you stagnate. And then, you know, you, you, if anything, you start to go backwards because now you, you could take it or leave it. And you slip back. You slip back. And you become like you were before you got saved. And so that's because we're not craving pure spiritual milk. We're not craving. We're, we're not hanging on the Word of God. We're not looking into things deeply. And I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment, um, and it, it's talking about it, and I'm not mentioning the title because I can't remember the title, um, but it, it's talking about how we d we've stopped thinking deeply about the Word of God. When you stop reading and thinking deeply, you start to lose that Passion. You know what I mean? The, the Word of God is here so that we can read it and reflect and meditate upon it. And that's one of the one of the five ways. You remember that hand that I showed last week? I'm going to show it now, so I'll put it up there. You got one of them is to meditate. 
So one of the things you should be doing in the morning is when you're doing your prayer, you've got to have the scripture out and you should be reading the scripture and saying, Holy Spirit, give me insight. Or read a few scriptures or read a section and ask for deeper understanding and have that passion to know more about God. Because as soon as you get that passion, things start to change in your life. It's passionless Christians that things don't happen for. Because you think about it. Jesus Christ has got a team. In heaven, he's got a football team. And he's got 50 guys trying out, and he only needs 20. I don't know how big a football team is. But I think, say, 20. Right? right? needs 20 people, 50 are coming. And I shouldn't use the term heaven, I should use it on earth. But 50 people come up. Now, 20 of them are over the moon excited, and 30 of them could take it or leave it. Who's he going to pick? Of the 30, some of them are super talented. But of the 20, there's just passion. Who are you going to pick? You usually, and I've heard coaches, world-class coaches, I've watched some talking on, on YouTube, and they were saying that they would take a passion-filled person who's willing to submit to all of your coaching over a more talented player any day. Because a team player, someone who's passionate and filled with motivation and he really wants to please, you know, his coach is far more, um, you know, uh, he is far more um, valuable. Valuable, good word, great word. Far more valuable. Valuable, Did you say valuable? Valuable, I valuable too. <laughs> than someone who's extremely talented. And don't you think Christ would be the same in the sense of, uh, you know, with who he picks as a minister? One thing I owe you guys, one thing I owe you all the time is my passion. I've got to stay passionate, even if I look out and I see passionlessness. <laughs> even if I see you looking passionless, I've, I've got to instill passion into you somehow. I've got to instill it into me. I've got to say, come on, let's get this thing happening. Let's live for Christ. Let's give it everything we've got. What are we doing taking it easy? You know, we've got to live full Christian lives. And, you know, the, the fruit of that the other day was just seeing my nana come to know Jesus. And that was just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And I know there was quite a few of you praying that I'd have that opportunity. I know Tammy Levesque uh, um, in America sent me a, a private thing, uh, email saying, I'm going to be praying for you to be able to witness to your mother. I'll pray for anointing to come upon you so that when you speak to her, she'll just receive it. La, la, la. She sent me this great email. And that was awesome. And I haven't yet typed over to her and said, you know, she's come to know Jesus. Yeah. But who wants that for everyone they know? Yes. Yeah? Wouldn't it be terrible to get to heaven and you walk in and none of your family are there? And you, where is everybody? There's lots of people there, but everyone you know didn't make it. That would be devastating. How would it be if you're a parent and your kids don't make it? You know, that's my concern is for my kids. Yes. Our kids, I should say. You know, I want to see John, Tessa, and Alicia get in heaven. I'm sure you guys want to see your kids get Everyone wants to see their kids get in heaven. But you also want to see your parents get in heaven. You also want to see your brothers and your sisters get in the, in the heaven. And then you want to see your close friends all getting in the heaven. And then you want to see your enemies getting in the heaven. Then you're like Christ. That's when you're like Christ. Because Jesus didn't pray for in front of him to people that loved him. He was praying for those that hated him. He was praying for those that were throwing the stones at him. 
And what did he say? Love your enemies. Love them. And hopefully, well, I'm saying this, but he said it in other areas. Hopefully, we can win some of them. Or if we don't, our prayers can cause someone else to speak to them and they can get one over to Christ. Amen? Because there's no other name. There's no other name. There's no other way into the kingdom of heaven except through Jesus Christ. You are in the right place. You guys are in the right faith. You believe in the right Lord. You're reading the right book. And if, if after studying everything else that's out there, with exceptions because there's other smaller cults and things that I haven't looked into, but with the exception of just small, you know, fringe sort of cults and stuff, I've studied every other cult out there and, and religion. And none of them have what we have. None of them. So you're in the right faith. And it's worth you giving yourself to it as, if you want to call it for for one of a better word, as the most intriguing hobby of your life. Something that you can't wait to get home to pour yourself into. That's what it should be like. You should be coming home from work thinking, I can't wait to go and spend an hour with the Lord and read the Scriptures and get it into my heart and read some books about the wonder of God and get some real passion going in your life. You know what I mean? It should be a hobby, but more than a hobby. You know what I mean? But a hobby as in, you know, most people put their hobbies first these days, don't they? Because what do you do with yourself? Oh, I work at this job. Do you like it? No. Well, what do you like doing? Oh, man, I love working on cars. Man, I can't wait to get home and work on my car. It's their hobby. That's what they're passionate about. And that's what this is, but more. Because this is life. This is everything that... One day, every word in here is going to mean so much more to you because when you're living in eternity, it's all going to click together. But God wants us to be super passionate now so that every other thing falls into place. Amen? So meditate. Let's turn to Psalms 1, 2 to 3. We'll go to verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But what's his delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord. There's some, some of you have memorized this, which is awesome. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, or on the word of God, what does he do? He meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does, prospers. Isn't that an incredible promise? And to the Christians whose delight is in the Word of God, that's the promise. Our delight must be the Word of God. Could you say that in the last year your love of the Word has sort of gone a bit like that at times? You know, you're up there, you really want to read the Bible, and then you might not have read it for a few weeks, and then you're back into it again. And Has it been like that? What you want to do is you want to really establish a consistency. You want to be consistent, and you've got to sort of give yourself those goals, you know, those New Year's resolutions, but not those, we shouldn't call them New Year's resolutions, because most people just make a, a mockery of them, because you always break them within the first week. I want to lose 10 kilo, I'm going to go on this diet, and by day two, you Hungry you're, huh? you're at KFC or something. Yeah, you're at KFC. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so if you want that, um, 
that kind of a, a blessing in your life, then meditate on the law of the Lord. Get the passion, get the fire for Christ in your life. Now, memorize. Let's go to memorize Psalm 119. So stay in the Psalm, shoot up to 119. And we go to verse 9. And it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? We should even change it. How can an old man or woman, or a young man or woman, keep his way or keep their way pure? By living according to your word. And then he says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And here's the interesting one where we get the memorization scripture. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you don't want to sin against the Lord, store up scripture in your memory, which is the equivalent of in your heart. I've actually done scientific studies and found that your heart has a memory. There's actual memory cells in it. Actually, every cell has a memory. A nucleus is a memory of a cell, but your heart has a, a very strong memory. And that's why some people have had heart transplants start to remember things that happened to that person. They have these sort of dreams and stuff of this person that the heart used to belong to. Watch some of the stories, they're pretty freaky. Their um, diet changes. Sorry? Their diet can change as well. They go eating the foods of the previous person. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Pretty fascinating stuff, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It'd be pretty spooky. You wouldn't want to heart up a serial killer. I don't know why, but I want to go out at night now. No, you wouldn't want that. Sorry. Did I straight? Right, sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Or Collingwood support. Or what? That would be... Or a port supporter. You shouldn't. You should be more uh, endearing towards Collingwood as a port supporter. Yeah, the penguins, not the main. Club five, brother. All right. Let's get back to the script. Yeah. Study Acts seventeen. Acts seventeen, verse eleven, and it says, "You will get there." Now the Bereans were more noble. Or of a more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They were more noble and they examined the scriptures. Because Paul was saying these things about Christ, drawing from the Old Testament, <coughs> and when they were in, he was in Thessalonica, they, he got rejected without much thought. This is just too new, can't receive this. And then he went to uh, Berea, and then he started to speak to them. And as he spoke, they thought, well, let's check this guy out. Is he saying something that is in fact true? And as they found out, then they started to believe, because it wasn't in Scripture. But the, the, the thing is, is that they were studiers of the Word. They studied, they examined the Word. Now, the way you can do that is by getting a, um, you know, you can get uh, Bible Study books, study Bibles. So you read a scripture and then you read some notes that have been made about it. And you can even write notes yourself. Um, doing things like this is to write the scripture out into a little book and then write uh, your thoughts on what you've written out. Write down what, what it makes you think, what it makes you feel. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you and you start to write more and more. And before you know it, you've got like half a page and it's a reflection on what you've just written. 
And even if you don't think you're a great writer, it's, it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't have to publish the thing. You don't have to show it to your friends. But it's just a really great way of reflecting on the Word of God. And it's a worthwhile exercise. And it can be something that can be quite exciting because you can sit down and not have anything going on in your mind and you can write the scripture out and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just bang, gives you everything. It's like when I, I get up here, I, I, these days I put as little amounts of notes except for this sermon, but a small amount of notes as possible because I love it when I get up here and I start to talk about a scripture, then it comes, the Holy Spirit floods in and just gives me all this stuff to speak about that I never planned to say. And that's the same thing will happen to you if you allow that tap to be turned on. If you allow it, if you write and then believe, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say? Sometimes you might not have much to write about, but other times you'll write something and you'll have a lot to write about. But the, the thing is, is exercise it. You know what I mean? As you do it more and more and more, you get, you get stronger and stronger at doing it. Now, Revelation 1.3, just turn there quickly. This is one scripture which, if I had drawn this hand... I probably wouldn't have used for the reading the recommendation to read. Um, I'll tell you why in a second. But it says in Revelation 1.3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now that is a specific blessing for the book of Revelation. However, you are blessed, as we know from reading the other scriptures that are in this upon these fingers. Um, you know that we are blessed when we read it because we, we become prosperous and, and, and so on. So, uh, But that actual blessing is directly related to the book of Revelation. And so make sure you read the book of Revelation. This is a special blessing. Come, sorry? Seven blessings? Yes. You said, if I watched your teaching on it. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I, I seven Beatitudes. Oh, the seven Beatitudes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I remember it now. Very good memory. Top of the class. I've said a lot of things from this pulp. <laughs> well, let's go to Romans 10. Romans 10, 17, and it says, if like most of you look like you're there, 10.17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So we've got to hear it. So there's a really good opening there to put on Bible tapes or Bible CDs or Bible MP3s. We've, we don't listen to tapes anymore and now we don't listen to CDs anymore. We're up to MP3s. But um, yeah, just listen to Bible, your Bible in your house if you're walking around or when you're in your car. Listen to the Bible. It's a great time. You know, um, if, you, if you're frequently on the road, you know, hundreds of hours a year you spend driving. And all that time, you could be getting the Word of God into your heart through just listening. Or you could have your iPod, just say you walk and catch a bus and then you're on the bus for 20 minutes or half an hour and you go to your destination and you've got to walk another 20 minutes. Have the Bible going. You know, I, um, it takes, I think, it's about 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that to hear the whole book of Matthew. Just double check me on that. But like the book of Ephesians is, I know the book of Ephesians is 20 minutes. Be spoken. So you can listen to the whole book of Ephesians just in a 20-minute trip. I think it's a bit more for Matthew. I think it's about 45, 50, something like that. But what I'm saying is if you're on a trip where you're spending an hour or hour and a half a day, um, you know, you could easily listen to a lot more scripture than you would ever read. 
And when you are listening, make sure you tune in, but there'll be times you get distracted. But the thing is that you're hearing it. It's just going in. It's going in. And you, you, you're immersing yourself in it. And then watch what happens to you as you immerse yourself in it. You know, things start to change in your life in incredible ways. So that's, um, I think that, that's five areas. We've got to meditate when we pray on, on Scripture. We've got to memorize it. That's important. We've got to get it into our heart. We've got to study it. We've got to take it seriously. Study it and, you know, write notes about what you see in certain Scriptures. Um, you've got to read it regularly. And you've got to hear it as well. So if the blessing to answer prayer comes from having his word abide in us, which is John 15, 7. Let's go there quickly. John 15, 7. 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So if you remain in the word and if his word remains in you, ask whatever you will. So if we ask things and they don't come, Maybe it's because we're not remaining in him enough, in his word. We're not remaining in his word. Um, and what I'm saying right now is not salvational at all. What it's talking about is just immersing yourself in the word of God. And I believe why he has the confidence here, Jesus has the confidence to say, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you, is because he knows if you're in the word of God, you'll only ask according to the word of God. And therefore you'll get it. But if you're not in the word of God and you ask whatever you wish... You can be asking for things of the flesh, you know, and then you don't get them, or you wonder why you don't get them. So then the obvious question should be, how do we get his word to abide in us? If this is how we, we ask whatever we wish. We have to store it up in our memories, like Joseph storing up grain during the years of famine that lay ahead. May we store up the truths of God's word in our hearts as much as possible so that we are prepared for whatever suffering we are called upon to endure. And when we use the word suffering there, you could go through a terrible time um, and you might be in hospital and you might not be able to physically pick up a Bible or whatever, but if you've got uh, scripture stored up in your memory, that can be rolling through your head and it can get you through some terrible times. And the extremes of this is you could be in prison for the faith, like people, many hundred, I think it's even more, 350,000 Christian martyrs a year, hundreds of thousands constantly in prison for the faith right now, and out of their store of scripture in their memory, they're getting through, they're getting by. So we've got to store it up, and that's why Bill instituted the uh, memory scripture thing um, that we do, and I think it's a really valuable thing, and I think we should take it a bit more seriously, even if we just go for that one a week. Like, how many are now in our little books? There's a lot, isn't there? You know, over the last however long we've been doing it, there's a lot in there. And if it was all in your memory, wouldn't that be amazing? So go through them, but try to at least get the one, every week one, done. And it doesn't take long, and I'm going to show you a little method of doing it. The biography of Geoffrey Bull, a British missionary to Tibet, who was captured and imprisoned by the Chinese communists, tells how his captors took his possessions from him, threw him in a series of prisons, robbed him of his Bible, and made him suffer terribly at their hands for three years. In addition to extreme temperatures and miserable physical conditions, bodily abuse and near starvation, Bull was subjected to such mental and psychological torture that he feared he would go insane. You've heard this before, haven't you, Matt? Um, how did he keep his mind at peace? He had no Bible now, but he had studied the Bible all his life. 
he began to systematically go over the scriptures in his mind. He found it took him about six months to go all the way through the Bible mentally. He started at Genesis and recalled each incident and story as best he could, first concentrating on the content and then musing on certain points, seeking light in prayer. He continued through the Old Testament, reconstructing the books and chapters as best he could, and then into the New Testament, Matthew through to Revelation. Then he started over again, and he later wrote that the strength received through this meditation was, I believe, a vital factor in bringing me through, and it kept, kept by the faith to the very end. Isn't that amazing? So if you have never read through the entire Bible, make sure that's one of your goals this year. It's really important that you get through the whole Bible and you get a sense of the whole Bible. Um, and it's a, a real blessing as well. You sort of, when you sit under the Word, it looks, sort of means more to you when you know the Scriptures that well, when you've read through the whole Bible. Uh, now, treasure, Matthew six nineteen to 21. Let's turn there. And it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my question is, what is this treasure? Let's go to Colossians 2. Prosperity preachers will say it's when you give in the offering. And then they'll send the offering. It is in part. But there's greater treasures. My nana's a treasure. Amen. And your nana is a treasure. <laughs> Colossians 2, verse 2. It says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they have, may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who's our treasure? Who have we got to store up in our heart? Jesus Christ. We've got to store up Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is the Word of God. And so where do we, how do we store him up in our heart? The Word of God. It all comes together. He's the treasure that we've got to store up. And I can tell you now, if you live this, like, like I've been saying, if, you, if you're meditating on the Word of God when you're in prayer in the morning, if you're listening to the Word of God as you're driving in your car or you're going on your bus, if you're um, coming home from work and prepared to study the Bible and, and reflect on the things that you, you see in the Word, and if you're um, constantly reading it and you're trying to read right through the Bible from start to finish, and if you're doing all these things then you're storing up a lot of treasure. And the thing that's going to happen in you is it's going to change every part of you. You're going to start to speak differently. You're going to start to have an influence. You're going to be concerned about people when you sit with them. You're not going to be worried whether you're offended by what they say to you or not. You're going to be concerned about their salvation. And so it's going to change everything about how you approach your day. You're going to want everyone saved. You know, so you're going to be trying to find opportunities to speak to people. You know, so this is why it's so important that we we do this because if we don't do this, we're gonna we're not craving spirit, pure spiritual milk, and we're going to stagnate. And the funny thing about uh, uh, stagnation 
when a pond stagnates, what happens to it? It grows fungus. Yeah, it starts to smell. It starts to smell. So you stagnate, you, you, you start to stink. But you've got to flow like a river. It's got to be flowing. It's got to, all of this has got to flow out of you continually. You've got to, it's got to be like life to you, lifeblood. It's got to be your bread in the morning. The Word of God is considered like the bread of God, isn't it? So you've got, to, you've got to eat that bread every single day. And as that starts to happen, you start to um, you know, become more and more and more Christ-like. So if we aren't doing that, and if we feel like we're at a standstill in the faith, then there's the reason. So you don't need counselling with me. I don't need to, I'm giving you the counselling right now. This is all I would say to you is if I sat down at a counselling session and you say, I'm feeling really depressed, I don't feel like I'm getting by in life and things are just going bad and I don't like my job, I don't like the person I've become, and la 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 la. That's how we'll read the word. Go and read the word. Get into it. Dive into it. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Get into your heart. And what else? Pray. Pray with all your heart. Throw yourself into this faith. Become selfless. Don't even worry about yourself. I think a lot of depression is just we're so self-concerned that we're so self-focused that it becomes we become painful to ourselves. Can't even stand the sight of ourselves in the mirror anymore. Don't look in mirrors. You know what I mean? And so much depression could be overcome if we just look in the right place. Jesus says you must crucify the self. Now, I have been crucified, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So you, if you're, if you're self-concerned, think about yourself, and it's always everything, how did that feel to me, and all this sort of stuff. Then, And look, we all suffer from it. I'm the first to put my hand up. But we've got to crucify the self so that we no longer live but Christ. So when people meet you, they should be meeting Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. That's who they should be meeting. Now, don't take it too far. Start to claim to be Christ, as some people have. But don't go there. But just know that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And that's who they should be having an encounter with. And that's the, the light on the hill. Don't get under that. Don't put it in the bed under the bed. Just be out there and get so less concerned with self, so that you no longer have to suffer depression. Because how can someone who's dead suffer depression? And the reason I'm bringing up depression is because how many people suffer from depression? Yeah, everyone. I think it's the most common, common problem today. More drugs are sold for depression than any other drug. By far. And what are they doing? They're trying to fix a, what I believe is a spiritual and mental condition with a physical chemical. If anything, it just numbs it. One of the problems of long-term effect of, of, of drug, uh, depression drugs, medication, is serious depression and even suicide. So don't, if you can get off that drug, if you're on it, get off it because it can lead you down a bad slope. And then die to self. Die to self. Stop thinking about yourself all the time and think the words of God. Just run them through your mind because I tell you now, I've, I've lived on this in this life and I've lived through depressions and I've had them. And I know it's a state of mind. You've got to change that state. How do you do that? You read the word of God. Don't trust your own thoughts. Trust God's thoughts. Amen. So hidden in Christ, the word of God is treasure immeasurable. 
And we are encouraged to store up this treasure in our hearts. Amen. Now I'll just read this in the book, Scripture Memorizing for Successful Soul Winning, by Dr. Oscar Lowry. Lowry admits that he entered Christian service as a young man with an undisciplined mind. Thinking he could not memorize Scripture, he filled the flyleaf of his Bible with references useful for counseling and evangelism, but it proved awkward to stop his conversations long enough to track down the right verse. Finally, he determined to succeed at Scripture, scripture memory. And if I can memorize one verse, I can memorize one more, he said, and ten more, and even one hundred. He rose early the next morning and chose what seemed to, have to him to be a difficult passage, Romans 10, 9-10. And he paced the room, saying to himself, I will do this thing. He struggled with this passage for half an hour, but finally succeeding in memorizing it completely. The next morning he reviewed and reinforced those verses in, the, in his memory, then added a new one. He kept reviewing his chosen passages and adding new ones until it dawned on him one day that he could repeat 100 verses without looking at his Bible. Uh, by the end of his life, he had learned over 20,000 verses and he could locate each by chapter and verse. That's another point. When you're doing your memory, verse memory, make sure you say the, the, the chapter and the verse uh, and the uh, book. Uh, no wonder his Christian life was full of joy. His mind was full of wisdom and his evangelistic efforts, efforts full of success. So he memorised and he didn't think he had a good mind. And uh, I've got a story in relation to that as well. I, I thought I had a pretty bad memory um, because I just anything at school where I had to memorise facts and things like history, I was terrible at it and always failed because I just couldn't. Dates wouldn't stay in my head. Names, I've still got a problem with names and stuff, but names don't stay in my head very well. Um, and so I, I always had this low opinion of my, of my ability to memorise. But one one day in, uh, while we were in Queensland. We had a lot of time on our hands. Um, I started to uh, read the book of Ephesians, and I said to myself, I'm going to memorise the first opening scripture of Ephesians. Anyway, by the end of that holiday, we were there for a week or so with my parents, or my dad and his partner. And uh, by the end of that week, I'd memorised, I think, one and a half chapters. So right through chapter one and halfway through chapter two, I came home, I continued it, until I, um, in a rough way, memorised the entire book, six chapters, uh, but got, was really good up to about chapter 3, 4. And uh, don't ask me to do it right now. <laughs> I need to reinforce it. But um, the thing is, is uh, it proved to me that I had actually a good memory, but I just had never learned how to do it. I hadn't trained myself. And this might be of, of help to you. And this is a rough guide. If it doesn't work, do it, do it again. But it says, read it ten times. So you read the verse, looking at it, read it out ten times. Um, or, sorry, just reading it. And then speak it out ten times. So saying it, hearing it coming back at you. And then write it down two times. Um, what I used to do is, I'm just going to demonstrate for you. Let's pick a scripture, I don't know. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. This is Romans 8.29. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness... We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So this is how I do it. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Look at it again. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray. We do not know what we ought to pray. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray. And then read it again. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. So in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Can you see how I'm starting to get it? Now, because I've done it so much, it sort of comes quicker for me now. I, can, I don't even have to do it sometimes ten times. I can do it in four or five times or less. But I can, uh, when I first started doing it, I could not do that. I could, it would take me ages to start to commit it to memory. Now, the thing is, what I just did then... Tomorrow, if I try to do it, I won't, it won't be in my memory again. It would be, but it will be, I'll come back and I'll read it once and I'll then probably be able to say it just about. Do you know what I mean? And I, I wouldn't have stopped at what I just did then. I would have done it and done it and done it until I could have gone right down to, you know, uh, with groans that words cannot express. I would have got right to the end of the verse. And then I would have done it as a whole at least ten times from memory. Just straight off my memory. Does that make sense? It doesn't take long. And as you do it, you get better and better and better at doing it. You can do it. You'll come home and you say, I haven't learned that verse for for Sunday yet. And on a Saturday afternoon, you can sit down and in about 20 minutes or even less, 10 minutes, you can just about have it done. Yeah. So it's it's really, really easy. And all you've got to do, who's got 10 minutes in a week they can devote to this? Yeah, 10 minutes, that's not much, is it? I didn't see anyone's hands go up. (laughs) I'm not going to commit to that. (laughs) Now, some great quotes. If you carry a Bible when you are young, it will carry you when you are old. Isn't that good? Yes. Carry it when you're young and then it will carry you. If we understood what happens when we use the Word of God, we would use it oftener. Oswald Chambers. Uh, Chambers. If we understood what happens when we use the Word of God, we would use it more often. And uh, I see that as you know, the sword of the Spirit. We would, we would use it to speak to people more. We would... Use it in our life situations so that we feel better more. Other books were given for our information. The Bible was given for our transformation. Do we remember that? You know, I keep coming down the line of we are to be a transformed people. We are to be a new people. If you don't feel like you're transformed, then start to seek God. Because we should be, we should be um, clearly, clearly seen as more joyful, more in, in the spirit, more uh, like filled with love than anyone else. You should be way above that in, in the workplace. You should be shining above the rest in the workplace. And if it's not happening, it's because the Bible isn't transforming you or you're not causing it. And it's, nothing, it's, not, your, uh, it's not that you've got a, uh, and something in you that the Bible can't sort of penetrate and can't change. It's not like there's something wrong with you. That's my, what I'm trying to say. It's not like you have a major issue that everyone else doesn't have because they can all get transformed, but I can't. But you know what? If you do this, everything that you want in life, the life that you want to live, will start to happen. And actually, it will become more the life God wants you to live. It will start to happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. As you devote yourself to it. And I'm saying this for me as well because I've got to get into, um, get into this myself really dive in and um, like I do read scripture every day and, and I do do all those things but there's so much more I can do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So the Bible was given for our transformation. If this is just a book of information to you, there's something wrong. It's a book of transformation. We're supposed to be getting changed. It's no use me tickling your ears up here every week, telling you all these interesting facts and tidbits of information, and you go home feeling like you're so much wiser than before. You want to go home feeling like, man, I am a different person now. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. If I'm not changed right now, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna seek God until the it starts to take effect, until things start to be corrected in my personality and character, etc. The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. I like that. And Bill's got a quote he used to like to say, because Barry Smith used to say. Who remembers Barry Smith? You remember Barry? What was the one? I don't know. Uh, clean, something like clean Bible, dirty heart, dirty Bible. No, clean. No, no, no. Uh, clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. Yeah. So... Doesn't mean go out and rub it in the mud. <laughs> Means read it so much that the thing falls apart. And I'm, I'm starting. I get I get proud when I see something like this happen in my Bible. Look, turned it that many times. It's really I dropped it next to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what happened. All right, last thing just to finish, and I'm, I've held you long enough. The Wall Street Journal reported that nearly 1,000 different cookbooks are published each year in America, many of them glossy, full-colour, and very expensive. But at the same time, fewer and fewer people are cooking, and increasing numbers are eating in restaurants. The reporter for the journal interviewed one lady, a portfolio manager in New York. She had acquired 16 cookbooks in the last four years and subscribed to two cooking magazines. But the last time she prepared a sit-down meal was four years ago, and she said it didn't turn out. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So all those cookbooks that you can't cook. There are more Bible translations, study aids, and devotional books now than ever. Christian publishing is a big business, but for all that, people are reading and studying their Bible <coughs> less and less. There are that many. If you want to study the Bible, go to Kuron. And have a look around in the study section and you will get blown away by how much there is. And you pick something that just excites you when you open it and get into it. And there's, how many Christian books are there? Mm. Is Christ the most written about person that ever lived? Yeah, thousands, millions, millions. And um, just read some, get, get into them. Be careful what you read though. Because there's some, I, I tend to go with the old authors. I tend to like, if they're 100 years old or further, you know, I feel a bit safe reading them. Um, or um, I like, uh, um, like a, apologists, today's apologists, some, some really good ones. You know, Ravi Zacharias is always a good one. And uh, William Lane Craig is, you know, they've got some things. I'm not, I don't agree with them on every point. But generally, they've got some really great information you can, you can draw, draw from them as well. But um, there is so much out there. If you want to talk to me about, you know, the best way to go, I'd love to chat with you about it. Um, but let's make this a year of the Word, a year where we really get into the Word, that we become so fluent in our knowledge of Scripture and we come in and we're always sharing things that we've discovered through the week and things that sort of occurred to us about a certain Scripture. and You know what I mean? So that um, we start to get that life transformation that the Bible promises us if we, um, if we get into it.
Amen. Yep. Something else I was just going to say, Rob. I mean, there's a million of them, but there's so many different Bible plans too. Bible reading plans. That you can do, which yeah. there's all different ways and processes behind it, mm. but it'll actually get you where you want to go yeah. if that's yeah. what your goal is. Yeah. 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 I've got one in my bag that, remember that very first one that you yeah. discussed? Yeah. Um, so Matthew's right into every year starting a new Bible reading plan. Have you started one for this year? Yeah, I have. You have, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Lauren, are you doing it? No, I haven't started. Oh, you haven't started yet. <laughs> already broke your New Year's resolution. Um, yeah, but uh, Matthew started one, I think, three or four years ago or something like that. Well, and the one at the beginning. Yeah, when... at the beginning, yeah. And I've still got a copy of, yeah, I... copies of those in my bag. Which just every day there's a certain amount of scripture to read from a certain part of the Bible and over seven days you get through seven different sections and by the end of the year you've done the whole thing and uh, we're always checking each other you know how far yeah. how far are you through it now and it's how I've got seven days behind <laughs> we're always trying to do catch up so you get the Sunday after church and just try to read for the afternoon <laughs> yeah. there's that way and like I said you know um, even one chapter of the New Testament every day will get you through it before the year's out. Um, so there's, or, Neil? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, be close enough. And uh, so there's lots of that sort of thing to do as well. So I hope this has been good for you. It's been a blessing. Um, so let me pray and then we'll have a coffee. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for this time now. Thank you for the honour of speaking to these wonderful people. And Lord, I, I just pray that uh, my, my words did not fall on deaf ears, mm. but that, Lord, you really do something in all of us and, and stimulate us to want to really dive into the Scriptures and, and to be transformed and changed by them, Lord. That, uh, that the Word of God may be stored up in our heart, that we will have it like a treasure <coughs> deep in our heart, and we'll, we'll memorize Scriptures and we'll study them and, and read them and listen to them and really grow in our knowledge of, of the Word because, Lord, when it comes down to it, um, it's uh, the only thing that is we can take with us when we move on from this life is the Word of God and the, the treasure that we've stored up in us um, through reading it, Lord. So help us all to store up this treasure and store up uh, tons and tons and tons of it, Lord, so that we have a, such a fountain of treasure to... Uh, um, to take into eternity that um, it will just be mind-blowing when we get there just to see what it's done to us and, what, and, the, and the things that have changed since we started doing it. So help us to um, get that motivation and that passion. And if we don't have it, cause us to decide today that we will just have it. Just decide that we will do it and uh, put it in our hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless this time now as we um, have some fellowship time. Bless the uh, um, conversations that take place and may it all be God-centred and may we have a wonderful afternoon and bless everyone this week and help them in their life, help them to get through their week um, and uh, help them to get through any situations they may be facing. Give them the wisdom and the know-how to get through them and uh, also take away any stress that has caused anyone here so that uh, they can have a stress-free life as they uh, trust in you. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.